Rutherford Issues on News Radio WGNS. News time right now, 1020. You're listening to WGNS on this Monday morning, today, the 27th of June. And now we are joined in studio by a guest from the Child Advocacy Center that serves both Rutherford and also Cannon Counties. And we have Family Services Coordinator Anahi Castillo. And I guess let's start with you first this morning. Uh, so kind of explain, I guess, what you do and what types of events are coming up. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Um, so my title is Bilingual Family Services Coordinator. So I specifically am able to assist families uh, whenever they come in for allegations of sexual abuse and the child needs a forensic interview. I'm the one who kind of walks that family through the process, the investigative process and educate them on the forensic interview process and also just provide them resources. So I'm able to help out Spanish speaking families within Rutherford and Cannon County whenever they come in and also um, with my other co-workers I'll let them introduce themselves but I also am able to assist them if they need me with the drug endangered children services program um, so I'm really just able to help out the families and meet them wherever they are so when that family first comes to you that that child where you're meeting them the first time what kind of setting is that usually in is it I guess police involved first of all and and how does that get coordinated yeah for sure so um, a lot of our so how we get to see the families is either one there is a police report that's filed and then the um, detectives assigned to that case are able to call us and schedule that forensic um, and then we're able to see the family whenever they come to our center or um, there is a child abuse report made with the department of children's services and then there is an investigator from the department that is able to call us and schedule um, and they are in contact with the family so Either a detective, DCS, or both are the ones who first make contact with the family, and then whenever we get that scheduled, I'm the one who sees them and is able to educate them on the investigative process. I would imagine there's a wide range of emotions there, especially for that child who is the victim of sexual abuse what 90 percent of the time yes of course you know we have all kinds of cases that we see we have single mothers single fathers um, grandparents who are looking after the children where unfortunately sometimes the parents are the perpetrators Um, we see a wide range of cases and there is a wide range of emotions when it comes to this you know sometimes kids come through our doors and they are afraid because they don't really know what's going on sometimes parents don't really know how to bring that up of a forensic interview especially depending on the age so sometimes kids come to us and they're like thinking that we're doctors or something and when we're not you know we just want to be that safe space for them and the safe people for them to be able to tell their story again this morning we're talking about the child advocacy center I, i would just imagine that for these children not knowing exactly what to expect because hopefully they've never been through this before right Um, they're probably quite scared when they first walk in your doors. Yeah, of course. You know, and the difference with us and the versus a police department or the Department of Children's Services, our office is 
very child friendly i'm not saying the others aren't but you know versus a police department where it can be very like scary and sterile and also dcs where there's you know cubicles and there's not stuffed animals or toys our office does have that warm welcoming environment and that we have like a living room space and toys and stuffed animals for the children to come in and play with meanwhile they're waiting um so our setting is for the children to feel a little safer when it comes to the department of children's services and working with the different agencies out there are you seeing more of a a, i don't know extreme focus on child sexual abuse i mean do those cases typically come very first because i would imagine those are pretty rough environments for kids yeah they are so um they're the cases are kind of classified differently. So there's a priority one case where sexual abuse is always considered that. They have to respond quickly um, because more often than not, the perpetrator is in the home, unfortunately. Um, So with those cases, we do try to see them as fast as possible. Um, But once again, that is very much up to like DCS and law enforcement. Um, Whenever they respond and get with the family, there's different circumstances that happen. Um, So we may need to see a family like that same day, or if there's enough time where the perpetrator is now out of the home, we may be able to see that family that next week. It really just depends. We try to meet the family where they are and also with DCS and law enforcement, um, because some, some families may want a day to kind of you know, after something so hard like this comes out, sometimes they just want a day to be like, can we schedule this like next week? We need a little bit of time. Have you had situations where the perpetrator, the person being accused, ends up being one of the folks who comes with the child to be interviewed? So with our um, center, we cannot see a perpetrator that cannot be on our premises at all because of the grants that we have so we do not allow any alleged even you know it's alleged perpetrators whenever we see the case right um even if we for sure for some reason if there's like a knowing that this actually didn't happen or something like that we still cannot have any alleged perpetrators on our premises so we do not see them at all on our center and then also with us this morning on the drug side of, uh, I guess, cases that you're seeing, uh, drug endangered coordinators, David Amaya and Connor Hutchins. Uh, how, how does everything fit together when it comes to child sex abuse? And then you've got some cases where the child's coming out of a home where there are drugs being sold. I mean, how, how does all this kind of play together? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I can't say that everything is neatly tied together with a with a nice bow and ribbon but when we when we get our cases together we mostly focus we never try to focus so much on the perpetrator unless it's recovery all of our clients that we do serve are in a recovery basis in other words they're in their process of recovering from substance abuse whether that is that they are drugs in the home and they are selling drugs or um, whether they're just doing drugs marijuana alcohol you name it around the children um, and all of our clients are from infants to up to 18 years old and again like i like i mentioned if they're in recovery we do try to keep up uh, keep up with them and check in with them um, and make sure that they're still in the process of seeing therapists make sure they're seeking counseling making sure all their treatments are up to date if they need to go to um, a treatment facility then we try to get them together and resources our big focus on the drug side is making our i should say on our cases is that 
we do try to equip our families with resources in case they ever need them. Um, some of our families would will say um, that they're okay better off, and we say we understand, and we're still here to help you in case something else happens or in case you um, you regress or you relapse. And just having that hand there um, is always a, a great support for them because they know that they can always confide in us, and if not, then they still have that resource list at the very worst. Yeah, what are some of the typical drugs that you will find out parents or caretakers are using? Are or are there you mm-hmm. know? Well, this is usually what we're seeing. It's meth. It's cocaine. What 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 is it that's big right now? More often than not, I would say marijuana is the most common one, followed by um, oddly enough cocaine or meth. I think those are I would say I can't say they're tied, but more often, more often I come across cases. I should say we come across cases that are marijuana based. And since, um, I guess the the atmosphere and the environment of the I guess of the nation is that marijuana can oftentimes be uh, misled as a legal drug, but of course in the state it is not a legal drug. It's not a legal substance. So um, we come across a lot of uh, a lot of cases like that. So, um, so so marijuana continues to be one of those big ones that you see a lot of. Yes, marijuana is pretty prevalent. And I would imagine that for a caretaker out there, if you're high all the time, you can't properly you raise can't. your child. No matter mm-hmm. how you view marijuana being good, being bad, should it be legal, doesn't matter. Right. The, the point is, if they're under the influence of anything, they're not going to be able to properly care for a child. Right. You can't take care of your, ch- your kids. Mm-hmm. And, and are a lot of the cases, you know, the child sexual abuse cases, are a lot of those definitely coming from homes where there's drugs either being used or being sold it can definitely be tied in you know uh, david and connor get their um, referrals from the department of children's services more often than not um, whenever i was um, in the position as well with the clients um, us having such a close relationship with them it was word of mouth too so they would reach out to a friend and be like hey anai at the cac help me and they can help you too mm-hmm. um and that's what's becoming prominent with david and connor as well and with the sex abuse cases um you know they get the referrals from dcs but also whenever some children come in for the forensic interview they end up disclosing more things that we didn't know of like there being drug use in the home and if you were to take 10 average kids out there in a classroom how many out of those 10 kids are either going to experience some type of sexual abuse or they already have by age i don't know 13 or so so the statistic if i remember correctly is one in 10 children will be a victim of sexual abuse before their 18th birthday unfortunately wow how important is it for those children to get help you know outside of law enforcement but counseling and stuff like that how important is it to get them into a counselor it is very important and it's um the basis of their like lifelong um healing journey that's what i was trying to say um so and it's so important and that's we make that aware when these families come in for the forensic interview you know we see a bunch of different cases and you know families have different out views and point of views and things of that nature but my my job is to really advocate that counseling for that child because having their family support as well as counseling is going to make all the difference again our guests today are from the child advocacy center that serves both rutherford and cannon counties for the average person out there maybe hopefully they haven't gone through any type of sexual abuse in their Mm -hmm. life but um, for those who have i'm sure they can say you know looking back on my life i can say for sure 
you know, I started this habit. Maybe it was mm-hmm. drug mm-hmm. use. Maybe it was alcohol abuse because of what happened to me as a kid right. being sexually abused. And that being said, you know, the, the impact of sexual abuse on a child, it does last a lifetime. Right. Yes. Because you were, you were calling it that lifetime recovery. I, mm-hmm. That's basically what they go through. Yeah, for sure. And that's why it's so important for uh, families to be cooperative during the investigative process so we can ensure that this child is getting those services that they need. And we just want to help in any way we can, whether that's intervening with counseling, referring them to other resources, such as counseling specifically for substance abuse or a rehab center. Even if it's not child-based, any, I feel like anybody within the community can call us and we can connect them to whatever resource they need. Mm-hmm. And, and you are dealing with all walks of life. I yes. mean, from people who have their PhD mm-hmm. to those who yes. haven't even graduated high school yet. Right. Everybody, when it comes to child sex abuse, I mean, literally anybody could be a victim, any child could be a victim. Right. So it, it's gotta be, I, I don't know, first of all, I know it's difficult, mm-hmm. but having to, to I don't know, change the way you talk to one person versus another because you're trying to build rapport mm-hmm. with them. I mean, that's got to be tough day it in is. and day out. It is. I mean, you know, just like you said, sexual abuse doesn't discriminate against anybody. It's any race, any, you know, gender, religion, and anybody. It can happen to anybody, unfortunately. And that's why we have to be so proactive to have these conversations with our kids and be like, you know, I can, I'm your safe person if you don't feel safe with me make sure there's somebody in school or even a friend's parent or somebody you know it's very very important for children to have that safe person that they can come and talk to if anything happens you know it's scary these days to think about you know let's say you have a five-year-old a six-year-old letting them spend the night at another person's house Mm -hmm. You, you just you really never know these days and i'm sure you didn't back when we were kids either but it just seems scarier I I guess because of social media I don't know oh yeah for sure I mean social media comes into play with our cases a lot you know Snapchat is a really big one that we see a lot of you know there's a location services so people can see where you are on Snapchat and that's why it's also very important for parents to be vigilant if their children are on social media because unfortunately we get a lot of cases through you know somebody meeting through Instagram or Snapchat and that's a really big way of um, doing drug deals too you know that's a secretive way for even children to be involved in that again our guests are from the child advocacy center we have anaya castillo and david amaya and connor hutchins with us today so going to the social media side of things uh, it seems like at least we've seen a lot of news stories here at the station over the years where whatever conversation was started between the offender and the victim Mm -hmm. was started on social media yeah Uh, how often would you guess that social media does play a role in somebody meeting that you know the suspect meeting that victim um i was going to interject here a little bit um i i know some of the kids that i i see i can um some kids that i do come across 
would say that their social media presence is pretty it's pretty high up and i would say i'm pretty active on social media but they're even more active than than i am considering all the social media platforms that they are is so versatile but i say it's pretty common i mean so i would i can't even gauge the percentage how many kids just come across uh someone there someone in their peer group that just wants hey let's go try this let's do this this time at the lake or whatever mm-hmm. and it's so it's super common mm-hmm. because after the pandemic or i should say after i guess the pandemic shifted everything all, all many of us were home and many yeah. of us didn't go out so now mm-hmm. that it's becoming less uh, restricted more people are wanting to come outside and yeah. and more people are wanting to catch up with their friends and so as a result their their uh, online friend groups their social media friend groups are wanting to do more activities and some of the activities may have helped them cope with the solid yeah. solidarity that was in the pandemic so now they want to do it with their friends and i think it's pretty common um I'm not sure about the sex abuse, but I would say it's pretty it's pretty common with with uh, with kids and teenagers now. Yeah, I would yeah. say it's pretty common. And, you know, with sexual abuse, it's not just adult perpetrators. It's perpetrators within their same age group as well. So just like go, bouncing off of what David just said, you know, that allows them they're, they're talking through these apps and they can be a bit more secretive on them from the parents. Um, so I, I think it's pretty common unfortunately and for whatever reason i I know with social media people are more open Mm -hmm. with each other when Mm -hmm. they're talking through messenger through i guess snapchat through any of those they're very open and they it happens a lot where the victim will tell the offender not knowing of course they're going to be attacked or whatever it is Mm -hmm. uh, they'll just tell them all kinds of information yeah and you know It goes back to the parents having these open conversations with children. You know, you don't want to, of course, like terrify the child and be like, everybody out there is bad, you know, because the truth is not everybody is, but you don't know who is or who isn't. So that's why you have to be proactive in having these conversations with children and be like, hey, you know, um, having set times, maybe, you know, each parent will do what they think is best for their child but you know maybe taking up the phone at night or having set hours for social media you know whatever it is um it is important for them to be vigilant so there's been a lot in the news over the last few years about human trafficking there's Mm -hmm. been conferences held in different cities but there's just been a lot of focus on human trafficking i know metro nashville police recently did an undercover sting Mm -hmm. and they've done this many times before where they would lure somebody Mm -hmm. in by way of an ad on different media sites. And and then once they got there, of course, they would arrest them for whatever the charge they were pursuing. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times it's a case where somebody is arrested for, you know, seeking to take advantage of a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they may think they're going to meet a teenager. Of course, in in Nashville's case, it ended up being a law enforcement officer. They got arrested. but a lot of stuff happens with human trafficking and it's not i think when people think of human trafficking they think of only prostitution Mm -hmm. but there's so many forms of human trafficking Mm -hmm. be it a parent who is trading their child you know for drugs Mm -hmm. i I mean there's just a lot that happens yeah there's so much that happens you know we've worked with the fbi we worked with tbi before and the human trafficking team in nashville you know we we have worked with a wide range of people and um we have seen those cases before and it, it it can be very scary because just like you said it can be coming from their own parents or once again something with the social media happens and 
they think they trust this person they meet up and then they go missing you know it's a wide different thing wide range of things that can happen you know as a parent i I can't imagine pawning off one of my children Mm -hmm. in exchange for for drugs or money or or anything like that but there are parents out there who do that Mm -hmm. yeah and i can let david touch on that i mean addiction is really really terrible disease and it just affects everything um about you and you don't really think right david Mm -hmm. uh yeah addiction is is um i think when i think when the term addiction is thrown out i think a lot of people just kind of uh, kind of, I don't want to say to turn a blind eye, but it's definitely something that carries a lot of weight to to it. Addiction is something that it's not only that can oftentimes be tied to genetics, but it can also just be a developed behavior. And a lot of times, that developed behavior can seem um, can give you tunnel vision. And oftentimes, tunnel vision is what leads you to forfeit either your kid or your home or 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 your car for whatever that you want for that fix. Yeah. That'll basically take you away from your problems. And addiction is. Uh, a very tough thing to overcome and i don't ever like to um tell some of the families that i work with that addiction is is not their problem addiction is not something that they can't overcome addiction is um something that can always be worked through and i always Mm -hmm. try to be very personable with the families that i work with uh i like to train connor on developing a really strong relationship with the families to let them know that while you are working with what you're dealing with i am with you i'm walking right alongside you to let you know that Despite what happens, I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to victim blame you. I'm here to help you and just kind of walk with you and help you grow in your journey. Mm-hmm. So, David, you and Connor are working with specifically parents or caretakers who are in the midst of addiction or have they already gone through the court system and now this is the other side of it? What, what are you seeing? More often than not, I do. I'm mostly in there with children who are exposed to something of that, to something of drug related and we don't we don't work with um any perpetrators of any kind so and if we do they are post um or in the process of recovering so they are post treatment facility and if mm-hmm. i do come across a family that needs more help and needs more um referrals i do refer them to a mental uh, treatment center that way they can get the help that they need because we don't work with uh perpetrators i do am, i am involved with the kids i am involved with the children in there to make sure that they have what they need, make sure they're going to school. Sometimes some families aren't able to take them to school because they wake up so hungover or they wake up because of uh, it's still lingering from last night. So um, I, our main focus is with the children and make sure that they're fine, making sure they're well-fed, making sure they, they have activities to do in the summer. It's summertime, so the, kids, uh, the school is out. So I definitely try to make sure that my focus for the summertime is to make sure that they have um, – good times to go hang out with friends to make sure they have activities um some families may request uh some some toys some activities like uh, a, big, a bicycle so, so i try to find some resources for that you are specifically working with children who are being raised in in drug environments and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. pretty a pretty uh, pretty um rough i would say pretty rough environments but it's they're, they're never the, they're never it's never their fault yeah. We never try to victim blame. We never do victim blame. Um, that is their it's their fault. We do try to reinforce that to families that I do work with that you all should have continued dialogue about what's going on. Um, I think transparency is a re- is key to having a really strong relationship with your family. So I do try to reinforce that. You know, when you watch TV shows like Law and Order, stuff like that. It, I don't know how <laughs> close to reality some of these shows are, <laughs> but it seems like the higher up the ladder as far as income goes the more 
the suspect will try to sweep it under the rug and think they can get away with whatever the crime is. Yeah. Are you seeing that as well, uh, you know, on the local level? Um, yeah, I would I would say so. You know, it, it can be, and specifically speaking on the Latino community too, um, I know within the Latino community, it's still very taboo, um, the topic of sexual abuse and child sexual abuse too, um, because as we know, more often than not, it's within the family that this happens, unfortunately. So when it comes to family, you know, families do try to sweep it under the rug and be like, you know, it was a one-time thing. Um, we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, even in, you know, within siblings, you know, oh, he just did it one time or she just did it one time and we're just, we're just going to keep them separated but um we still need to see those cases because we don't know if there was anything else that came before that or as the result of you know some children um they sexually are reactive because they were abused Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't know that until we see them or we interview them so that's why it's so important um if families or friends or anybody within the community has even just a suspicion of something happening to a child that they make that report yeah i when, when you say that you know this family says well it won't happen again and if it's a a sibling issue a cousin issue something like that um that child whoever the child offending is Mm -hmm. who's causing you know the abuse towards another child they they learned it somewhere right so that's got to be your first question you know where did you learn this yeah more often than not that that is our concern you know where did they get this behavior from if it was from an adult or even if it was from another peer uh we need to know so we can address it and so we can get them the proper services that they need and the the chain that you're having to follow i mean because once you ask that question and then that child says well i learned it from this family member Mm -hmm. or cousin or next door neighbor Mm -hmm. You're literally following this chain, and does that often lead to numerous arrests? Um, it can. Um, arrests, uh, it has happened. I won't say it hasn't happened before, um, but it definitely leads to more clients for us because we have to, this child discloses this one thing, then we have to have DCS or law enforcement go and respond and see okay what does this child say and bring them in and then what does that child say and so forth so yeah it can definitely be a long chain of things Uh, when you first learn about a child victim sometimes do you just go home scratching your head saying you know i I never would have guessed Mm -hmm. this person or this child would be a victim of sex abuse yeah i mean um some a lot in our community you know we see different things like um i forget her name but the gymna the whole scandal of the gymnastics the usa gymnastics olympic team you know i think your average person would be like well i would have never thought all of those girls that you know that they went through it's the same thing with local and you know global you know uh you never know what somebody has gone through no matter how perfect they may seem on the outside or even how broken they seem you you just never know what somebody's going through or what they have been through and there's so many things to look out for and mm-hmm. people to watch out for i hate to say it right. but you know there's if your child is spending one-on-one time with mm-hmm. with a coach with a teacher those are things that you should question as a parent of course for sure you know we always 
um, we, we do have a, uh, darkness to light training. That's the child sexual abuse prevention training that our office offers. And you can call our office number to get that set up. Mm-hmm. It is free to the community. Um, whether it's a church group or even just a local mom group or whoever wants to take that training. Um, we, they teach the steps to prevent child sexual abuse, to recognize and react, mm-hmm. um, to child sexual abuse disclosure too. We only have a couple of minutes left, but I'm going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we'll close out this section of the program. Okay. Time right now, 1048. You're listening to WGNS and our guest today from the Child Advocacy Center. This is a paid legal ad. Hi, this is John Day of the Law Offices of John Day. I've lived and worked as a lawyer in Middle Tennessee for over 30 years, and to me, every single day has been an honor. That's why our firm is so involved with community programs like bicycle helmet giveaways and our Safe Ride Home program. At the law offices of John Day, we're not just looking to make donations. We want to make a difference in the community we hold so dear. And if you're ever injured, know that we are here for you too. Premier Six Theater on Broad in Jackson Heights. Let's all go to the movies. Check out what's showing at murfreesboromovies.com. Popcorn popped fresh daily. Premier 6 on Broad in Jackson Heights. Splash into a new career. Join Motlow State and the City of Murfreesboro at the Civic Plaza for our career fair on Thursday, June 30th from 9 until 1 Thursday afternoon. Rain or shine, we'll see you on Thursday the 30th. Almost every industry imaginable will be there this Thursday. Healthcare, automotive, airlines, government, law enforcement, food and beverage services, and more. Career fair this Thursday on the Murfreesboro Civic Plaza from 9 to 1. Murfreesboro Funeral Home and Cremation Services. People that come in to pre-plan their funerals and put it down in writing makes it a whole lot easier on the children at the time of their death. This is what Mama wanted. This is what we're going to do. Visit MurfreesboroFuneralHome.com. Not feeling well today? At Ascension St. Thomas, we're here for you and any family members, too. For care right now and your most urgent needs, choose 24-7 emergency care. When it's not an emergency, but you still need care now, We're ready with walk-in urgent care. For care anytime, talk to a primary care doctor or specialist and see a doctor 24-7 from wherever you are with online care. Find the care you need now. We connect the dots on the rest at ascension.org slash St. Thomas Care. Rutherford Issues on News Radio WGNS. Time right now, 10.50. We only have about a minute and a half left. Again, a minute and a half left. And we're talking with the Child Advocacy Center this morning and our guest, Amaya Castillo, David Amaya, and Connor Hutchins. And we've been talking about, you know, the, the victim side of it, you know, the mm-hmm. children you interview and, and how you have to go about doing that. It's all very delicate. In the state of Tennessee, though, and some may not know this, you're required by law to report any suspicion of child sex abuse right that's exactly right anybody age 18 and over are mandated reporters by law in the state of tennessee to report any suspicion of child abuse you don't have to have any evidence or anything at all um you can just call uh, the number that i'll provide here shortly and um make them aware of the situation so when you report this let's say you're reporting on a next door neighbor Mm -hmm. and, and you're calling the hotline through the state is the suspect if it turns out to be true where there is an arrest that's made is the suspect ever going to know who reported them 
So um, DCS has a policy, Department of Children's Services have policy that they cannot disclose who made the report. So whoever calls in, they can either remain anonymous, though it's more helpful for investigators to have your information in case they need to call you and ask some questions. There is an option to remain anonymous, um, but DCS cannot disclose who made a report. And if you are the person who files a report and you see that it's still ongoing, that Mm -hmm. nothing's been done about it, and maybe all of a sudden your hunch turns into, well, this definitely happened. I now know for sure. Mm but nobody's getting involved even though I reported it. What should you do? Just keep calling back? Um, I would say probably go to law enforcement if it isn't taken by DCS, or you can even call our number and we can try to troubleshoot with you to see what else we can do. Do some cases get lost in the huge DCS system at times? Um, I can't say that they don't. Um, you know, with us, with our office, uh, we do see the, what they would consider to be the severe abuse situations, though all abuse is terrible, right? Um, but DCS has an umbrella of things where they have assessment workers and investigators, uh, with our investigators, since we work in a child protective investigative team, we do try to hold each other accountable and make sure that all these children that need to be served and seen are, um, but you know, unfortunately there may that may happen but there is accountability out there there are well there's multiple agencies first of of all involved in just about every child sex abuse and Mm -hmm. child abuse case right right Mm -hmm. right you know so with our cases we um have a monthly meeting called our SIPIT meeting and we do meet with the ADAs here in Rutherford County and we present them these cases and us collectively as a team we present what we have and hold each other accountable as to okay uh, we need to investigate this further or you missed this person we need to go back and talk to them so I think our team is great. If you see maybe it's somebody you interviewed and you see that the case for whatever reason is not really gaining any traction do you often call the detective involved and say, hey, this you know, is still going on, we think? Yeah, we, we still, uh, we have a really close working relationship with all, all of our detectives, Murfreesboro, Laverne, Smyrna, and the county. Um, so we have feel all very comfortable calling up detectives if we have questions, as well as the DCS investigators and the supervisors of the investigators. We all have a really close working mm-hmm. relationship, so we all feel very comfortable calling each other with questions. And what is a phone number that people can call to report the suspicion of child abuse of any kind. So the child abuse reporting number is 877-237-0004. Again, that's 877-237-0004. And our office number, in case anybody has any questions, is 615-867-9000. Again, that's 615-867-9000. And have, as we close this morning, have you seen an increase in the reporting of child sex abuse now that the whole COVID pandemic is pretty much over and kids are, well, they were back to school Mm -hmm. these last semester for sure. Oh yeah, there was definitely an increase. Now that school's over, we still are fairly, remain fairly busy all year, Um, but we do see those spikes sometimes and we see the spike more often than not when children get back to school because something may have happened over the summer, unfortunately. And, And I know teachers are probably some of the folks who who recognize a child 
is being sexually abused before a lot of other people do because they're seeing these kids day in and day out. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, sometimes teachers spend more time with the kids than, you know, the parents do. So a lot of our reports do come from them. Again, we've been talking with the Child Advocacy Center that serves Rutherford and Cannon County. And our guests today have been Anaya Castillo, David Amaya, and Connor Hutchins. Thank you all for joining us this morning. Thank, Thank you for you having, having us. Time right now, 1055. Stay with us. We do have more news and information coming your way next. Rutherford Issues on News Radio WGNS. When you turn to Turner Security, powered by Tech Corps. You can leave your security issues at the door. Security, access control, cameras, and much more for your business and home. No long-term contract. We keep your business because we did a great job, not because you signed a five-year agreement. One call does it all for your security and technology needs. Online at turnersecurity.us. That's turnersecurity.us. Turn to Turner Security. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Brian Fenley. Tony Busby, the attorney who has represented the women accusing Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson of sexual assault, has filed his first of what he believes many cases against the Houston Texans for condoning and not condemning Watson's alleged actions. The New York Daily News is reporting Kyrie Irving has gotten the okay from the Nets to pursue sign and trade offers. The Associated Press is noting WNBA star Brittany Griner will stand trial on Friday in a Russian court. She's accused of transporting cannabis oil through a Russian airport. Novak Djokovic, the top seed at a Wimbledon, powering past Sunwoo Kwan in four sets today in the first round, opening day at the All England Club. And last night, the Colorado Avalanche locked up the Stanley Cup title in six games, beating the Lightning 2-1 from Tampa. Hello, this is Lenny Farmer with Jennings and Ayers Funeral Home. Often when a man or woman finish pre-planning their funerals with me, I hear, we should have done this 10 years ago. Or, I thought about doing this years ago, but just never got around to it. Seems that we often put off the inevitable for ourselves. As one wise pastor put it, it's never too late to do what's right. Why not mark down on your calendar to call me to talk about your funeral needs at 615-893-2422. It's never too late. It's time for your radio report of death notices. Sylvia Davenport, age 83 of Woodbury, passed away Saturday, June 18th. She was survived by her son, Billy Davenport, her daughters, Mary Womack, Janice Tenpenny, Peggy Moore and Laura Blake, as well as several grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Visitation will be held at Gentry Smith Funeral Home on Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. Funeral services will be Friday at 12 p.m. in the Gentry Smith Funeral Home Chapel. Murfreesboro Funeral Home and Cremation Services. The death of a loved one. Probably one of the hardest times in their life they have to go through. Keith Stapleton, manager of the Murfreesboro Funeral Home. It's our job to see them through that. Visit MurfreesboroFuneralHome.com. Ellen Farrer, age 84, of Smyrna, passed away Wednesday, June 22nd. Survivors include her several children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren, and a host of other loving family and friends. Visitation will be Friday, June 24th, from 5 until 7 p.m. at Woodford Memorial Chapel. Graveside services will be 10 a.m. Saturday at Robinson Ridge Cemetery with grandsons serving as pallbearers. Lois Breeding, age 93, passed away June 22nd. She was survived by her daughter, Kathy and Ted France, sons, Jerry and Deanna Broderick, 
John Broderick, and 10 grandchildren. No service is planned at this time. This concludes your radio report of death notices. Remember, to find a full list of obituaries and more, go to WGNSRadio.com. The journey of grief is no easy task, and here at Whitfin Chapel, we are honored to be given that opportunity to walk the path of grief together. Sharing tears and laughter with our family creates a meaningful and healing experience. I'm Shannon Whitfin Parsons with Whitfin Funeral Chapels and Cremation Services, Murfreesboro and Smyrna, serving you and your family since 1893.